on the one hand, it's great to be alive and all of these conveniences, but on the other hand, there's a fatal flaw that we've made in some of these conveniences that have their own edge to them that, that start to undermine our own health in the face of it being so comfortable in, in the society that we've built. And so, as you know, uh, very, very well that you, you have to kind of go back to, Hey man, we have to deconstruct some of this modern day world in order for us to quote unquote, get back to our health, like take our shoes off, get out in the sun, like breathe fresh air, move our bodies, like get some, get some preferred stress with our bodies with cold exposure or heat or whatever. Um, so it's interesting, right? We've come so far. And at the same time, we also have to go, okay, is, are, are these the directions that we, we want to go? And I look at, you know, our modern day world of our, you know, you certainly in the, the Western model that we've placated on the world and it, it has largely failed to such a degree. I don't know how we're not talking about it all over the place. Collective Insights is a voyage through topics and technologies revolutionizing human well-being. Groundbreaking approaches for a better world and a better life await you. Welcome to Collective Insights. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Stickler. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about a protocol that I'm passionate about that I use in my practice. You know, everyone wants to slow down aging, but few are really doing it the right way. There's something I do recommend for my clients doing just two days a month. It's a bodily cleanse that helps get rid of old defective cells. These are sometimes called senescent cells or referred to as zombie cells. And they are shown to be related to so many symptoms of poor aging. This bodily cleanse is a supplement which contains a group of ingredients called senolytics. Senolytic ingredients help our body to flush senescent cells helping with easier repair and rejuvenation from muscles to joints to how we feel every day. Qualia Synolytic is the bodily cleanse supplement taken just two days a month for healthy aging that you have to try. Now, research on aging and longevity, including a beta study on Qualia Synolytic, shows that Synolytic supplementation can play a huge role in enhancing how we age. Now, to learn more about Synolytic research and to try Qualia Synolytic risk-free for 100 days, Go to neurohacker.com, use the code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for a free gift with purchase. That's Qualius Synolytic for better aging at neurohacker.com. Welcome to the Collective Insights Podcast. I'm Dr. Dan Stickler. I'll be your host for today. And today we have superfood hunter Darren Oleen is known within the health and wellness community as an exotic superfood expert and environmental activist who travels the planet to discover new and underutilized medicinal plants. He is the co-host of the award-winning number one Netflix docuseries, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. He's the host of The Darren O'Lean Show, author of Superlight, The Five Simple Fixes That Will Make You Healthy, Fit, and Eternally Awesome. Love that. And founder of Baruchas. Darren holds a Bachelor of Arts in Exercise Physiology and Nutrition and a master's in psychology. Welcome, Darren. Hey, man. Thank you. 
been a while since I've heard my bio read, read out. It's interesting. It's like, oh, that's that's who I am. That's what I've done. And it's also interesting because, you know, you feel like although those things are cool, it's almost like the the perpetual motion of creation and what you're getting into and what I'm creating and where I'm where my focus is are and yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting for sure. You know, it, it's, it really, it's a great time to be alive. I think, I mean, I was reading this the other day back in, back 50 years ago, uh, scientific knowledge or back in 1950, scientific knowledge was changing about every 50 years. And then by 1980, it was down to, uh, every 11 or 12 years. And then in 2010 down to, um, like three years and then this year or last year it was down to every 72 days it doubles wow i mean trying to keep up with that yeah insane. well like just before we started recording we were talking about ai right so it's like with with the implementation of ai it's you're gonna be talking that number is gonna be crushed faster and faster and faster and yeah it's 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 a wild you know, not to go too far off off on this tangent, but it's a wild thing to perceive. I, I agree with you that it's a very, from so many different directions, almost almost any direction I look at, it's fascinating to be alive, right? So, yeah. but I look at, you know, I just finished a book uh, called Fatal Conveniences where I dove into kind of the invisible worlds of what's in our products and personal care and beauty and in our food and in our water, in our beverages, in our clothing. And on the one hand, it's great to be alive and all of these conveniences. But on the other hand, there's a fatal flaw that we've made in some of these conveniences that have their own edge to them that, that start to undermine our own health in the face of it being so comfortable in, in the society that we've built. And so, as you know, uh, very, very well that you, you have to kind of go back to, Hey man, we have to deconstruct some of this modern day world in order for us to quote unquote, get back to our health, like take our shoes off, get out in the sun, like breathe fresh air, move our bodies, like get some get some preferred stress with our bodies with cold exposure or heat or whatever. Um, so it's interesting, right? We've come so far and at the same time, we also have to go, okay, is, are, are these the directions that we, we want to go? And I look at, you know, our modern day world of our, you know, you certainly in the, the Western model that we've placated on the world and it, it has largely failed to such a degree i don't know how we're not talking about it all over the place you know the fact that we we just destroying our health from from a modern day you know ultra processed foods and everything else you know you know as well as a third leading cause of death is is in the hands of the physicians and so all of a sudden you're like well, this is kind of the you know, in order for me to 
to to deal with the level of kind of craziness that I've been st- uh, certainly staring at scientifically and looking at the research of what's in our products and everything. And then I'm like going, if we wanted to harm ourselves, this is a great direction that we're in, right? It's, it's you know, that Mayo Clinic re- uh, study that deemed that from a lifestyle perspective, only 2.7% of us were deemed healthy out of 330 million people. Be like, yeah. You know, like, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but it's kind of like I, I'm questioning very, very, and I want to be proactive about it very, very intensely. Like, we have to question what we're doing. And then for those of us that want to change, we, we have to create a world in which we can change. But, you know, it's so funny because uh, one of my, I'm a longevity uh, physician and age rejuvenation, but one of our discussion groups that we're in, we were talking just the other day about the fact that somebody had posted something about we've lost 50% of our testosterone since 1980, which is a bit of an exaggeration because you can't, they weren't the same testing measures and everything. But if you look at it, it looks like there's been about a 40% reduction in free testosterone since 1980 through about 2019, which is pretty, pretty darn substantial. I mean, you know, that's, that is a significant drop, but then in the same week, we're seeing that sperm counts from 1980 dropped from 110 million on average worldwide to like 35 or 40 million worldwide in those 40 years. I mean, that should be throwing up some red flags for people. Well, yeah, man. I mean, you think about that. Think about as the as the base mover of moving the population forward, like the 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 base model of the sperm uh, being viable to uh, create life is literally neutering itself right in front of our face, right? And and I agree with you. It's a, it's a lot as part of many of the things in the book from so many different angles from uh over uh you know even even small amounts uh but from many angles the the extremely low frequencies even the for the electromagnetic fields are showing the same data points as you know increasing of uh, uh, radical oxygen species overstimulating the immune system, causing causing problems, as well as neutering. So you're looking at, from a chemical perspective, we're doing it in our products and our shampoos and our deodorants and our conditioners. And then you're seeing it from this electrical pollution that we're just adding on to and we can get away from, get away with it because it's invisible. But you're right, you know, um, it's like Dr. Leo Trisande was one of the first people that I dove deep on and the work that he was doing around endocrine disruption. And, uh, it's like you stare at this stuff long enough, doc. And you're like going, Oh my God, like, Oh my God. Like, how is that actually happening? Where are the regulatory bodies? Why, why is this allowing? And and this crazy thing is the data keeps coming out. And yet the regulatory bodies aren't doing anything. They're not doing it fast enough. And every so often I see the game, what am I perception of the game? The game is, oh, it needs further study. So they kick it down the road. 
Or every so often they'll go like, yeah, okay, you know, 200 PFAS and forever chemicals showed up in, in the, the orange juice uh, owned by the Coca-Cola company. Uh, okay, we should probably do something about it. You're like, no, no, you guys failed, man. <laughs> you got, like, you know, so, so you, I've come to the realization that I think it's crazy and it's weird and it's strange that the FDA, the EPA, the FCC, the USDA, you name it, I find it so strange that they're not doing their job. So I'm just going, okay, well, we need to wake up, we need to educate, and we need to do it ourselves. And we need to take further responsibility back from the places that we thought uh, we're looking out for because we're sprinting toward, towards our own demise, man. Yeah, it was funny because the um, the experts that they had weighing in on these articles, so I was reading them and it was like these urology experts and epidemiology experts, they were attributing both the testosterone loss and the sperm count loss to obesity. And it was like there was nothing else in their uh, in their worldview that could be possibly creating this other than obesity. And they kept saying, we just have to cure obesity. And they're like, and you know, th there's even with that sperm drop, it's not infertility. Well, it becomes infertility once you get down below 13.7 million, I think. So <laughs> what do we do? We, we so it gets to about 15 and then say, okay, let's, let's address this now. Right. <laughs> right. It's like crazy. It's like blaming the fly to show you know, blaming the flies for showing up to a trash can. It's like, what, what do you mean? Like the, the obesity is a symptom. And, you know, there's this new, new terminology when you have toxic compounds, the obesogens, right? This, 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 this idea where you're holding on to fat because you're also pushing away, which is a great mechanism for the body. You're pushing away toxic compounds that are very detrimental so it shoves them in fat and keeps them isolated and protected away from killing you instantly or whatever the case might be. And, and, and so you can't just say it's obesity. Like how the hell did we get here? Right. It's like, we're, we're eating mostly not food and calling it food. And, um, and then you're yelling at people for your fat. No, it's our system that many people like look at even you know our generation like we were born into a system that was moving pretty fast towards ultra processed convenient microwaved fast food you name it and what do you think that that's going to produce of course that's going to produce disease of course that's going to produce mortality rates increasing of course that's going to produce um people having virtually no nutrition and, and just way too many calories. So, uh, it is, it, it's, it's it. you know, when I say this stuff out loud, when we have these conversations out loud, it, to me, it feels like we're in a twilight zone from that perspective. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. And it's like you and I, we're not making this up. We're, we've just spent a bit of time looking at it, staring at it looking under the hood a little bit going, huh, what, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are, 
what what was the lady's name that was just appointed as the something something health minister and she said oh obesity's genetic and so <laughs> the, there's really nothing you can do so she punted it she basically took science and kicked him back you know 45 50 years and she's ah, it's genetic it's like what what are you talking about like you're appointed so it's it's again you know it's like caricatures of this comedy show that is is too close to a twilight zone episode yeah i think about what a lot of people don't get though is you know medicine has has taken a linear approach when looking at, at human health it's a it's a complex adaptive system and it's hugely resilient i mean you throw uh, challenges in front of the system and the system will adapt very well until you reach a critical point. And I think what we're seeing here is, you know, they're trying to find this uh, root cause, I guess, and they're putting their hat on this, this uh, hook and saying, oh, this is what it is without looking at the fact that in a complex system, there's never a root cause. It's all these factors that play into it. I mean, even in longevity, you know, we look at genetics of longevity. It accounts for 7% or less of predicted longevity. And yet lifestyle, which people are paying big bucks and all this to get all of these medications and treatments, when lifestyle is 60 to 70% of the predictor of longevity. And just too many, too many factors that are being ignored and trying to find that one, one common thing that they can treat is not working. Hundred percent. Oh, that reductionism. It's like it, it 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 placates on you know. It's like a human. I don't want to say flaw, but you know, it's like anything challenging. We want to avoid it, right? We we instinctually you're going okay. That's going to be hard. You don't want to do it. You don't want to go into an ice tub. There's a, it's cold. You don't want to do that. <laughs> but but when you when you realize that, um. Everyone likes, well, I, I don't, I, but I'm just being facetious. Like when they make food that is that is sugar, salt, and fat, and and manipulating our olfactory system, hijacking our dopamine uh, mechanisms, and you you name it, it's really hard to resist. And so, like it it's it's this this system, like you said that have been hijacked for way be even before us. It was already happening. And then you have, you know, the, the American Medical Association was built upon reductionism. So we have, we have, you know, germ theory, for example, it's a flawed theory of, of health. And so, so then you're like, so, so it's great to see, you know, these things like, Hey man, you got to sleep. There's no food that can make up for a lack of sleep. There's no, hack around that you, there's no hack around getting sunlight there's no, no so there is this path that's emerging but then there's this path that is is death gripping their system that just wants the system to continue and uh and unfortunately it's got a wake of a lot of suffering as a result of it a lot of you know Look around. If you and I plop down in the middle, I'm from Minnesota. If we plop down in the middle of a small town in Minnesota or Nebraska or Iowa, 
do they have other choices in their healthcare? There's very, there's very, very, very few. And that doctor's certainly not telling them, you know, he should probably, here's a path of eating better. And, and, um, you should probably start doing that. And, you know, you're just not getting that. And it's just surprising. We're in 2023. Like, and, and, and we still are fighting this quote unquote battle of ill-informed authorities, uh, not using common sense, uh, Mm. you know, and, and, and there's a lot of unnecessary suffering right here, right, right here in our, in our country and other countries in the face of systems that unfortunately don't give a shit about you, you know? So at the face of that doc, I would just say we, we, we have to, you know, continue to wake each other up. And, and inspire each other and go, hey man, like you know that that those those throwaway diapers that are maybe convenient for your child are full of petroleum and phthalates that are endocrine disrupting. So 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 it's going right into your child. So not a good idea, right? Let's not do that. Let's use some organic cloth and just wash them, like so. You know, it's just as an example, those are things that we just kind of have to shake up our apathy a little bit and, um, and keep inspiring and keep educating. Yeah. I can talk about this all day, but I, I think my, uh, producer <laughs> Tina probably wants me to get on script because I do this all the time to her. She makes all these questions and then I'm like <laughs> off on my own. Well, uh, I, I, it doesn't take me long either to go off. Well, I find these are the conversations that are great because a lot of times people who get interviewed multiple times, it's all about the same stuff. Yeah. When I hear something like deep and new with each person, yeah. but I do want to get back to I, the, the one question that I have is, you know, how did you ever get involved in this in the first place? I mean, you know, you went to school for nutrition physiology and then what happened that, what's the story? Well, the story first to get me into that was, uh, a career ending, uh, college football injury. Mm. So, um, just being frustrated, not being able to get on the field again and play. And, uh, I was like, well, the, the light bulb went off. Like, I, let me study what I love. Let me study physiology and nutrition. Let me get into it. And I had a cool, a cool, um, program in the sense that I got exposure to kinesiology and physiology and nutrition and even athletic training back in the day. We just had this kind of almost a liberal arts approach to, to, um, I would call it health. And, um, so then out of college, I, I shadowed a big shout out to Dale Greenwald, who is a physiologist in, in Boulder, Colorado. And I shadowed him for a long time, looking at movements and movement therapies and how people would get injured and have compensatory problems in the musculoskeletal system and nervous system. Um, so that was always interesting to me. Um, and then, and then by way of curiosity, I was getting into food and I have a doctor that would come over 
uh, and drop. I was kind of before the internet was doing much of anything. And this doctor would give me stacks of nutrition information he would get from the CU medical library. And he'd start telling me about, you know, functional food and herbs and botanicals. So I started on the side of my career, I started kind of formulating and doing some nutritional stuff. And, and then I got so fascinated in this idea of, you know, this psycho spiritual juncture with the body, because you could prescribe quote unquote things, but then people would get, you know, they're, there's so much complexity in how someone was than that. I got fascinated and having certainly conscious spiritual, like awakenings in my twenties. Uh, I was just fascinated, still am fascinated with, you know, this, this, this experience that we're having and consciousness and psychology and all of that stuff. So that's where I got my masters, but then it was just this, this place where I could really, the final light, one of the light bulbs of kind of you know, doing the superfood hunting thing was just an, just kind of being naive to like, okay, well, I'm learning about this stuff. And, you know, I come from farmers and ranchers and stuff and in South and North Dakota and family and extended family and things like that. So I was like, I, you know, okay, I'm this cool herb and maca and yacon and unidagado and all of these, uh, Aguamanto and all these exotic things. I was going, what the hell are these things? I, I, for me, naively was like, well, if I'm really going to understand this, I have to experience it and I have to show up to see the people and see how these things are growing. Because the frustration for me was investigating foods and supplements and, and seeing where they may have been saying a story or marketing the story of a said botanical or whatever, but then when you actually had it and you actually maybe tested it and it didn't equal that which the botanical was, I was just growingly, I remember out loud in my head at a nutrition store, I was just like, what the hell? Like, why are they, they're saying all this and then they're formulating in a way that's not congruent. And that's really where the light bulb went off. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm learning what I'm learning, but I have to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to fully commit to understand where these things are coming from and how they're grown and who's growing them and how we create a business in a foreign land and, and do the best I can to preserve these compounds and constituents in these foods and then bring about foods that people also hadn't seen before, you know? So it's like, how, how do you not get excited about you're in the middle of the Andes or the Amazon going, I've never seen this in my life. And we have the opportunity of bringing this or maybe, you know, throwing it into a supplement and formulating some stuff and, and let's see what happens. And, um, so, so it was that and that, that curiosity exists today and um you know it's just evolved and and i think just to button the story through that kind of ridiculous amount of travel that i spent um through my 30s and into my 40s uh and over 40 countries uh it really opened me up to a lot of things environmentally 
Um, why don't people have water, clean water? Why don't they have power? Why, why do they not have food? Uh, I, I don't get it. Like, again, it's like going, we're failing. Like, okay, you can say this government's failed or this region's failed or this, but as a human family, we're failing. So I'm like, I spent a lot of time, uh, helping to get clean water throughout, uh, Eastern Africa, Western Africa. Um, and we got up to 700,000 kids, clean water. Uh, and it, and so, you know, it's just forever touched by that stuff and then driven by that and seeing what I'm seeing. And I got involved with some really cool, my buddy, Chris Patton and his company dedicated to clean energy preservation of different technologies. Um, that you realize and he educated me right away that we've always had many of these solutions like many 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 solutions that were clean and effective um to give people clean power from air compression uh that we used in the chicago subway it was all run on on compressed air right but then lost the contract of Edison and using electricity and things like that. And then obviously you can talk about Tesla and, and the devastating kind of history of him when he in fact made more advancements within this, um, electrified world than any, than any single person. So, um, so anyway, yeah, that's a little, little touchstone on a lot of that stuff. And so I'm still, I still work in, many of those areas just a little more active now but what that kind of brings up for me though is looking at the worldview that we have here in the united states um you know um, one of our sons he traveled he did a gap year between high school and college and traveled by himself through asia and europe and he got to see these real world experiences and and really in some in pretty impoverished areas and i think that's that's something that we just don't get here. I mean, most people are getting their stuff from social media, which is, you know, falsely creating a worldview that, that isn't there. So, yeah, I think the, you know, that travel piece is so essential for people to meet others and cultures because that's what's going to motivate them to to want to make change yeah. overall. Yeah, and I think uh, to, to, to your point, I think that the, there is a... There's an oversimplification of a lot of things that probably are predicated on on social media too. It's like things are so much more infinitely complex. Like yeah. just to quote unquote solve problems. Yes, they shouldn't be happening, and it seems that this sh is easy to fix, but they're complicated. They're complex. That doesn't mean we should stop. That doesn't mean that it's not impossible. But it's like you know, when you are trying to electrify the world and make smart cities and turn every car into electric, that's some serious problems that you're putting on a world that is not even close to being able to respond to that. And I understand sometimes intentions are meant well, but the burden that you're not understanding and turning off even though we don't like it, turning off the switches of patrol, the petroleum industry overnight, like we need to work together 
right? So they, these things are infinitely complex and obviously electric, electric anything, uh, electric car is not, I'm not, I don't want to go too far off on this path, but electric car is not producing power. It's receiving power from another source. And then you're sitting on a bunch of batteries that have also their own problem of uh, creating a huge amount of electromagnetic pollution for anyone in the car, plus all of the the cobalt and lithium and, and mining that has to be done for those batteries. So it's like, well, ask yourself the first question. First question is, where is that power that's filling up those batteries so that you can drive your electric car? Where is it coming from? Right, our infrastructure is not even close to. There's no, not even close to being able to respond to that. Um, and is that the best direction to go? And I think you know, knowing what I know and knowing the people that I know are working on some stuff, it's definitely not. And and it's not bad. There's just an infinite complexity to moving everything forward. Um, so we're too naive. And the reason I say that is, is because I think the exposure to more information, the exposure to healthy dialogue, the exposure to travel, the exposure to other countries and cultures and people suffering from things that you are not suffering from is so valuable. It's so valuable as a human family to understand and what we need to do. Because I think we all want the same thing. We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to provide for our family. And and all of those things, we all can understand. And, you know, the tremendous, you know, destruction that just happened in Syria and Turkey. You know, that's when we see the human family come together. Earthquake crushing, killing people. And uh, what can you do about it? Well, you know, nearly an 8.0 earthquake, not a lot you can do about it. Our infrastructure is just not equipped. And, and they're more vulnerable because their building systems are even less able to handle any sort of thing. So, like, now we have a huge amount of suffering because infrastructure that we've created uh, is not resilient enough. So... Anyway, I'm going off on tangents. I'm just using that as an example because, like, things are complex. Anything to change anything is complex, which is why we, less division, more healthy dialogue, I think, is the is a is a really good path to move forward on. Well, I'm going to go off on further tangents based on something you said earlier. Uh, you were talking about uh, in your 20s, you had some spiritual experiences. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to how those impacted your direction. <laughs> you already know the answer to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's probably the thing that people know less about me than anything, but it's, it's, it fuels every meaningful choice in my life. Right. So, you know, through pain and suffering and, and uh, disappointment and being lied to and cheated on and whatever the, you know, I could go all the way back, but I had, you know, a, a succession of awakenings in my life. You know, I just was, uh, had someone on my podcast, we were talking about ayahuasca 
and I certainly that wasn't the first one, but it but it was called I was called to it, and this was 22 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I'd never done a drug in my life, but uh, the ayahuasca pulled me, and and I knew it, and it validated this deep, deep sense of who I am, uh, and um, and. and she is the molecule of ayahuasca, I will say, said I never need to use her again for whatever reason. And and so I haven't. I've asked. I've had a million. I see it as in vogue now with so many people doing it. But for me, it's it's the integration of ayahuasca is a forever process, I think. Um, and then just having incredible shamans and saints and native americans and uh giving over huge kind of sovereign times in my life where i i dove in to um learning and growing and expanding um uh it 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 is it is cultivated a part in me that i every day all the time without fail i try to eliminate the distraction and continue to open up the aperture of what I got a glimpse of in all those ceremonies. Um, and that is eliminating anything that's between me and spirit, between me and my God, between me and the universe. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea for anything to be in between you and your own connection. Um, there can be great guides and, and people who point along the way i have nothing nothing bad to say about that but always cultivating that space it's when and when there isn't a ceremony when when there isn't tragedy when there isn't like what are you going to do to 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 cultivate that so i check in answer your question a little differently i check in with that space every day and have a communication and a meditation and a and a dialogue with where I'm, where I'm going, what do I want? What resonates to the best of my ability of what I want to create in this world, what I want to participate, what I want to give my life over to, you know? And, um, that's a forever journey. Yep. I love that. Uh, one of the questions we ask our clients when we do their intake is, uh, we ask them to describe their most uh, recent, uh, really profound state of awe. Um, what I want to ask you is: Do you have a specific um, event, like uh, some profound state of awe, that was marked a transition point in your life that you can tell us about? Uh, so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, the. I mean, the first one was just. Uh, you know, the, the, I'll quickly say this one, but um, when I was 22 years old and some, you know, dating a girl and she just lied and cheated and I was so weirdly destroyed, but it wasn't necessarily just her. I was a small town kid from Minnesota and I, it hit me so hard that it shook the foundation of what i thought humans were like Mm -hmm. how how do you look at someone in the eye and then lie to them i literally couldn't understand 
that someone could do that. And so that foundation of like, I was just, who the hell am I? Like that was the first, you know, I cried for two months and then coming out of that was one of the greatest starting points of my union with God and the universe. And like, I remember moments in driving around Colorado mountains, just completely as people were driving by, just laughing my ass off. Cause I was seeing them, seeing them as completely like, we're the same. Like, and I was just like, oh my God, it's just, they just have a different skin on. And I just was laughing my ass off. And then, um, and then again, like I said, I mentioned a little bit, the ayahuasca was absolutely profound. Um, and then, um, one other profound moment was, uh, I'd done a lot of, uh, sweat lodges and, Umbleches, uh, vision quests and under some native American medicine men in, in Colorado. And this one moment where the, the late great Wallace black elk from the lineage of black elk and black elk speaks the amazing book. If anyone read, read it or wants to read an incredible book, black elk speaks. And he was 80 years old and we're in the sweat lodge with them. And he was just. He said one thing to me that I've never forgotten. And he said, I, I don't understand why kids walk around with their brains on their backs. And I was like, what? Right. And he said, they're running around with all their books in their backpacks. And I was just like, and then he just quickly said, and we're in the lodge with him. Like we're in a sweat lodge. And he's downloading just one thing after another. And he said, I have learned everything. And this guy was so sharp. He could talk physics, chemistry, mathematics, sociology, polit politics, and with detail. And he goes, all the knowledge I've gotten is right here, right here asking. And the biggest thing that I will highlight is asking. So he's willing to ask the creator a question, willing and open himself up to receiving the wisdom and the knowledge and whatever else. And, um, uh, and I take that with me every day to the best of my ability. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, the former, the former guest that we had that we were interviewing, uh, we asked, we were asking him, you know, some of the stuff that he has come to through life. And he said, one of the biggest things was that I know nothing. He said, I look at everything as I know nothing. And that way that gives you that ability to dive into any, any topic area and be open to anything that, that may be there. And I thought that was pretty profound. Totally. Yeah, Aristotle said, "What one who is wise knows, he knows nothing." Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I am really enjoying this conversation with you. I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but uh, your I like complexity, it. spirituality are uh, the areas that I'd love to see. I mean, when I when I'm working with clients, um, our biggest metric on success is quality of life. 
Um, people look at, you know, body composition changes. They'll look at lab work changes, getting off of medications and everything, but you can do all of that for some people and, and yet their quality of life doesn't improve. And it, that's the reason people come to see, uh, healers in any sense, uh, they're looking for better quality of life. And I think we've missed that message across the board. I mean, when we focus on these diseases and these, you know, we're going to treat this and we're going to treat this instead of just looking at, you know, psychosocial factors, even, uh, spiritual factors with people to really understand, you know, what they're truly coming for. Totally. Well, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and, and it's also them thinking that if only I had this I would then be that happy. If only I got rid of this, then I would be happy. And so it's that construct that that is set up that they've adopted from our culture, or they've adopted from whatever. And and that's that's the wrong lens. And do we want disease? No. But what is under what is underneath it all? I just did a retreat, an online retreat, but super successful. We break down into groups, and people's transformations are so unbelievable. And you, I'm sure you like. There's no greater currency than seeing like that awakening happening in someone, right? The light coming on. And um, so, what one of the exercises we do is okay. What do you want? I want to lose weight. Okay. But then now, how are you? Who are you now having lost the weight? Now, now own that now. So that's what I mean by collapsing the, 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 the out there. When I, when I lose that weight, I will feel better. And there's nothing wrong with losing the weight. And that can be a starting goal, but who are you now having lost it? And now own that person now. So those are the types of things that instead of it being, Hey, when I, you know, make $5 million, I'm going to be happy. And then I'm going to have a quality of life. And it like, no, man, that's, there's nothing wrong with having moments of focus that are intense for sure. I, you know, I just finished a book and that a year and a half of it's not the best balanced light, but, but also when you're aligned with goals, that's why money never works. If you're just focused on money, that inherently will give you a shitty quality of life because you're so unfulfilled when you get there and and then there's no amount of all of that money that will fill up that hole. And then you're just going to reach out and probably get in more trouble because you're throwing money at stuff, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And so it's like, how can we be fulfilled while on the path of intentions and goals and aspirations, right? How can we be fulfilled when, on the one hand, we're not fulfilled because we want to do other things, right? So that's the, it's like an interesting, I don't have it 
I go back and forth, right? Oh shit, I'm I'm like I'm working way too much. I'm stressed out. Like like back it up a little bit and then own the gratitude of what you have and like go back go back to nurturing yourself with what you have. Fill yourself up now. You're not empty. You're not going to be perfect when you get X, Y, and Z. So it's a constant, like, human experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like Maslow's later work. He talked about these deficiency states. And, you know, the person in, in the lower uh, tiers of the hierarchy, I mean, it, they don't have food. Their family's starving. I mean, that's their whole focus. They don't have the bandwidth to focus on anything else. And people think that, oh, you know, once I've got food security, um, this stuff, that that is the end of it. But, you know, uh, Maslow was talking about what we need to do for transcendence. And what I see a lot of, especially in my clients, is they'll have deficiencies in, in different areas that are... No, I mean, they are different than somebody who's starving, but it's no different in the way it affects the, the, the cognition and the spirit in that, you know, if you, if you have this financial deficiency, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, but when I get here, there'll be enough. They don't have the, the bandwidth either to focus on personal growth aspects. If they're uh, deficient in love, uh, that they think, you know, does my wife love me? Does my girlfriend love me? They're in that state all the time as well of deficiency. And we see it in people with, uh, you know, being part of a community. If people aren't part of a community, they feel deficiency states and will strive to fill that, that need that they have. And it just distracts them from everything else in life. Totally. I think those nuances of it are just brilliantly stated i i i agree i and i think that you know it's like these deficiencies of these hopes and dreams and at the same time the abundance of fear right the 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 over consumption of fear it's almost like you know how beneficial and not so beneficial microbes will kind of take up the parking lot spaces depending on you know what kind of food you're to it's the same with what are you plugging your consciousness with? If you're consuming, you know, fear porn on the ma the media outlets, I, there's nothing wrong with knowing what's going on in the world, right? I, I get it. Like you can also question most of the sources in the world aren't so reliable anymore. But that said, I'll go back to your actually network. I think networking with a good group of people is probably better filter of quality information than anything else. But, but yeah, I mean, lowering that quotient of the abundance of fear, because in that fear, you're definitely not going to be going after the, your evolution. Because you're the, like emotionally, you've just squashed yourself into Maslow's lower rung, and uh, and you might your life might be great, but if you're walking around in stress and fear, you're screwed, man. And and we all know what's going to show up in the body when that happens too. So so I think that that's a prescription that we need to really work on together because. You know, if not, we're a victim to what's happening in the world of of way too much media coming at us, way too much social 
way too much unhealthy discourse, uh, way too much division, not enough union, you know, all of that stuff. There's so, so many bad examples of all of that stuff that, that is, um, uh, can hijack our own healthy states of being. What do you think about the, I think it was Nietzsche that was talking about the fact that the majority of people, they'll choose a path of the greatest comfort and the least pain. And he felt that, you know, that's a recipe for being the last man, they called it. And then the Ubermensch was the the one who would take the risks on things and experience all the, the depths of the lows and so that they could have those those peaks of the highs. It seems like we don't want to risk discomfort as a society. Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a plague. You know, I think it's you know, it's part of the why I wrote this book called Fatal Conveniences. It's waking up the apathy. And and the the irony is if you look at I don't know about you, but I look at how this reality is constructed in the sense that we definitely having a body and participating in this world in any possible, just taking a breath, you will be hit with pain, challenges, sadness, fear, anger. You're going to get hit. Something's going to hit you. Guaranteed, right? Things aren't going to go your way. And it's necessary. That's the deal. So in... And when those things happen, I call those the propeller of consciousness, right? The propeller of possibility, the opportunity that is possible once you've kind of grokked and got your head around and your awareness around a challenging situation. And in and, in and through that challenging situation, is the pillars of of resiliency and a foundation of fulfillment. And if you take that away from people, if you overcoddle people, uh, you're just neutering them. We talked about kind of the society neuter, but that's emotionally neutering someone. So again, like don't just give people fish, literally teach them how to fish because then that that confidence and that skill of, hey man, I can't promise you that life isn't going to hand you a, 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 a sack of gnarliness. It will, in fact. And now, what's the resiliency muscle that you can work to understand it? Because I, this is my personal opinion, as gnarly as the world is, I don't understand why a child just got a building fall on them. I have no idea what goes on in that scenario. I, I, I do believe that there is probably, you know, souls and beings that are less affected by the physical, right? So, so like, yeah. unfortunately, we see suffering and it's gutting for all of us. And I don't understand that I couldn't possibly understand the great mystery of how innocent people and great people are killed and brutalized and why 80 billion animals are just 
killed every year just so we can have a stake. Like, I don't understand all of that stuff. But what I do understand is that when we are handed something that's wildly uncomfortable, I know for a fact for me that that is always an opportunity. And, and if I'm willing to sit without judgment and to sit and, and, and be with it and to feel the emotions, to uh, deal with the complexity, maybe there's judgments, maybe there's anger, maybe there's a tremendous fear, maybe whatever the complexity is, if I'm willing to exercise the space of that and lean into that and go through that in my life, not one thing tragic has not been infinitely more beneficial on the other side. Yeah. As, as weird as that set, as weird as that, did I want my father to die? Of course not, but he died right? He died and it was the hardest thing in my life, right? Mm -hmm. But I can honestly say, as weird as maybe some people are going to check out right now, I am close to him. Now, I feel him. I get goosebumps. I, I, see, I see hawks and we had this thing. And so I, I maintain a relationship. And so there is always an opportunity and i lost you know where i'm sitting right now was ground zero of losing everything i owned a fire came through and burned everything to the fucking ground i lost everything and put everything into this property <laughs> yep right i put everything in i worked my ass off to get it and i didn't know in two years of of signing the lease that it would all be boom, gone. But it was. And that was the second gnarliest thing in my life. And what it gave me through the grief and the pain was such a resolve and depth that I didn't know I even had. And the passion and the purpose that it fulfilled and it fuels me to this day, there's no way. Did I want it to have happened? Did I want it to happen? No, but it did happen. And in that process, I would not take it back. You said uh, something earlier, the emotional neutering, and I I resonate so well with that. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, I. I can't recall crying after the age, probably seven or eight, because I was told boys don't cry. We don't show emotions. You know, you've got to be strong and, and all of this. And then I, I go into medical school. I become a general and vascular surgeon. And then I realize in my late forties, I have zero empathy. I don't know what empathy is. I, I understand compassion, but not empathy. And, uh, through a series of, uh, spiritual awakenings for myself, um, I started to experience empathy and emotions. And what I did was when I was in this state of sadness, which I would normally just kind of push it away, ignore it and move on, distract myself. I started allowing myself to full, full depths of it. I said, I'm going to ride this as, as low as it goes. 
feel it all. And it feels awful at the time. But when you come out on that other side, you're in a state of awe. You're just like, oh my God, that was incredible to be able to feel that. And uh, I think this is where people have lost their their souls in this essentially is that they've they've blunted everything down to you know i want to stay on this narrow path and you know this is this is where i want to live my life and not have all these uh negative feelings but you're going to sacrifice the positive peaks with that to do yeah 100 percent, man like you don't get to know the next steps because it's like the risk a comfortable path, I totally get. We all want to be comfortable in our beds with our family. Yeah, of course, we're always going to have that. But in terms of living our life, if you don't take a risk and not know what the next step is, for example, go after the dreams, whatever your dreams. I'm not saying be stupid and quit a job and then do it and like no, nothing like that, but the willingness to step into your life. Like, think about, again, I look at the construction of this whole thing. What happens when you go to the gym? It It is brutal. It's hard. It's resistance. It's pain. It's, it's, it's difficult. And then when you come out of it, what happens? You're stronger. You, you're accomplished. That's the deal, man. So it's like, you're gonna get hit so you might as well freaking swing for the fences in your life you're gonna get hit with something so why not freaking risk all of it and do what it is that you know to do and it will be hard and there will be things that are are you didn't see but it's your opportunity to overcome them and it's your opportunity to understand your bigger reason of why you're doing anything. It's like, I am doing this because my father, my father taught me this and he suffered from that, which is, I dedicated my book to my dad. He had chemical sensitivity when he was a, in the nineties and taught me all this stuff. He suffered from chemicals in shampoo and deodorant. Like I saw my dad suffer. The point is, I have a big reason why I want people to be healthy. I, w I have a big reason why I want people to stay away from toxic food and health products. <laughs> like, because my dad suffered. Mm -hmm. And so, cultivating your reason, it's not about money, it's not about, it's the reason... I think we all have have like this big thing that we want to big shout out to my good buddy Jeff Patterson wrote this amazing book called The Big Thing Effect and he has a beautiful way to help people cultivate could be goals but everyone's got a big thing everyone's got this big thing and yeah it takes something to go after it and so it just resonates with me like that and again i go back to your original conversation when we were talking about like that spiritual those spiritual awakenings in my life i go back to that every day 
And I try to listen from that space to help navigate the things that I'm going for. That there's no roadmap. I don't have a roadmap. I, I never have had a roadmap. I just felt something and then I worked my ass off. That's it. That's how I've spent my entire super. You think superfood hunting was on someone's freaking, you know, you know, resume? Like, dude, no one was out there asking for, is there anyone a superfood hunter that I can hire? <laughs> Didn't exist. It was a calling. And then you just go for it. And then another calling. And another, it just, and, yeah, man. So it's, it's, it's wild and you know, and it's not easy and it's not linear. I was working other jobs while I was doing this. It's like, you, you just do whatever you need to do. But yeah, it, re it reminds me of what I, I tell my clients. I said, you've got to embrace uncertainty, get comfortable with uncertainty. Cause I look back at it. And when I was a kid, they had those video games where you could put in cheat codes and stuff. And you put in these cheat codes for immortality or massive weapons and all this. And you go through the game and it's no longer fun. Right. You, you know the outcome of what's happening. And I think people miss that. I mean, they want to be certain about things. They want to know these outcomes, but that's not life. That's not living. That's our ego, man. Yeah. That's just that's just our over-controlling ego. That's not our heart. Our, our heart is wide and massive and intelligent and open. And, and if we misguide ourselves, the, the mind and the ego, from my perspective, is the, the executive assistant to the heart. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the ability for the mind and the body to take orders and action in service of the heart. And yeah, you can kick some ass and you can work hard and all this stuff. But if you're tuned in to the best of your ability, what you want to do, then you that that's the holy grail. Not the opposite. Because the opposite is exactly what you're saying. I want to know what's going to happen. I want a cushy job. I just want the thing. And then they're like, okay. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that. I've done that in my life on certain steps, but I always knew where I was going. Okay. I just temporarily have to do this right now, but I always know where I'm going. Right. Yeah. So tell me about this book. When's it coming out? Uh, it's actually on pre-order right now. I haven't been pushing it, but, uh, it's coming out May 16th. Harper Collins. Uh, and yeah, it's a deep dive on the things that you think may be convenient that are maybe um, coming back around and, and not so healthy for you. So we get into a lot of the, the endocrine disruption and the PFOS um, that's now getting a lot of traction in the media, uh, the Teflon derivatives, you know, example of like, you know, that slippery, um, that slippery dental floss that they put on so it slides in between guess what that's covered in that's PFOS and that's a derivative of Teflon and that's directly connected to cancer cancer uh, kidney cancer so um, you know it's it's things like that where I'm kind of 
unpacking and believe me, I'm calling out, I'm calling out these shampoos and conditioners and, and flooring and, uh, fire retardants hidden in television sets and all of that stuff. But I always have a solution. So we are, this is an invisible world that we're drinking in, breathing in, you know, we're taking in, I think the stat is we're consuming a credit card's worth of plastic every week, um, just by way of, you know, plastics interacting with our food and our drink. So that is directly connected to the original thing we we're talking about in terms of endocrine disrupting and lowering your testosterone and increasing these uh, estrogen-like phthalates in your blood and everything else. So increasing cancer rates, increasing infertility, uh, lowering energy, increasing obesity, all of these things are hitting us. And no one has any idea of these 80,000 chemicals that are created every year in our environment. No one is doing those tests. No one, zero, zilch. They're not doing it. They're testing one thing for a little bit, but then the exposure, like even sunscreens, the 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 actuality of someone putting on the sunscreens compared to the skewed data of safety is not even remotely the same. So hundreds of times more exposure in reality uh, than what's actually showing up. So there's. There's a, you know, there's chapters on EMS, there's chapters on what's in the home, but everything has a solution. And that's what I celebrate. The last third of the book is vetted companies that are minimizing and getting rid of uh, these types of things and healthy products for people to just shift over because I'm not trying to take away conveniences. I'm just trying to wake people up to the reality of many of their conveniences that they've just taken on from putting earbuds in their head to cell phones up to their head uh you know the data behind some of this stuff and and tumor rates um and uh cancers is is astronomical um so so the book is there to shake up the apathy to web yeah, so any platform, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, you name it. Yeah. All right. Well, I did not expect this conversation to go where it went, but I'm so glad it did because <laughs> this was really super interesting for me. <laughs> and I'm sure the listeners, if if I find it interesting, most of the listeners do. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found it very interesting too. So I I really appreciate the questions and. Um, Again, I don't open up some of those cans as much, uh, but I'm I'm absolutely willing to go there. So I appreciate that space that you opened up. Yeah, what a great segue for your book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for your time today, and uh, I'd love to have further conversations with you for sure, because this one could have gone on for a long time. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. This podcast is for informational purposes only. 
The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should not use the information on the podcast for diagnosing or treating a health problem or disease, or prescribing any medication or other treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider before taking any medication or nutritional, herbal, or homeopathic supplement, and with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this or any other podcast. Reliance on the podcast is solely at your own risk. Information provided on the podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship between you and any of the health professionals affiliated with our podcast. Information and statements regarding dietary supplements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to therein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician. This podcast is owned by Neurohacker Collective.